Amen. All right, you can go ahead and have a seat. We're going to stay kind of in a a prayer vein for a few moments, though, because as you heard in the announcement time, we are right on the threshold of Alliance Sports Camp, which is going to be happening this coming week. Let's give a little shout out to all the people helping with that. And uh, as Carmen mentioned earlier, you know, if we do all the right things, but we miss out on what God has, or we don't have his presence, then, you know, we don't really have anything to offer. But we're coming with anticipation uh, that God will show up, that God is going to use this week in some powerful ways. And uh, what we want to do is take a few moments right now to specifically speak blessing uh, and pray over those who are serving. Uh, and so we have a whole bunch of people. I think we have close to 100 and what were the numbers? 100, uh, 205 volunteers uh, who are actually helping with this week. In- incidentally, 144 of them are middle school or high school students. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome because we talk a lot about being a next generation church. And I just had somebody recently just tell me, thank you for telling us to be a next generation church. We need to do that. I love the fact that like next generation does not have to wait until you're 30 or 40 or 50. We got people who aren't even 20 yet who are saying, I'll bless the next generation right now. And so hats off to the young people who are doing that. Hats off to all the 205 volunteers who are doing that. We have about 400 kids who will be here, and we mentioned earlier that the huddle uh, flags are set up in the lobby. That's a little prayer reminder, so that as you go today, just go to a huddle and say, hey, that represents eight kids and two adults that are going to be huddled in that group, and we ask the Lord's blessing uh, over that uh, specific area. We're going to pray throughout this week, but we're going to pray right now for those uh, who are volunteering. Additionally, I want us to acknowledge uh, our Atlanta mission team, uh, which is going to be leaving Next week, Saturday morning at like 3 a.m. or something ridiculous, sort of an ungodly hour. Uh, Yeah, hey, more power to you. That's going to be awesome. I'm a parent of one of those people, so I'm probably going to be up and sending them off. Uh, But most of you will not be. Uh, And so uh, we're going to pray for them today as well. So what I'm going to ask you to do is if you are helping with Alliance Sports Camp, would you stand up? Uh, Huddle coaches, runners, all the people that are helping in various ways. Yeah, we're going to pray for you. If you are participating in the mission trip as well, we would like you to stand up. No, stay standing because we're going to pray. So stay standing and mission trip people, join them in standing as well. And then what we're going to do as a church is we're just going to take a moment. We're going to pray. If you're close to someone who's standing, you can put a hand in their direction. If they're comfortable, you can put a hand on their shoulder or something like that. And uh, we're just going to ask for God's favor and blessing over them. So join me now as we pray. Jesus, what a great joy you have given us to anticipate good things in this coming week. And Father, we're praying right now over the kids that will come. We pray that there would be uh, young people and families that would be impacted. Maybe somebody right now who doesn't know what a relationship with Jesus could look like or will look like, that you would use your Holy Spirit to awaken a spiritual hunger that they didn't even know was there. And many of us that are in this room, many of us that are praying right now, remember the moments when the Holy Spirit woke us up. And so, Lord, we pray that there would be wake-up calls all throughout this week for the spiritual needs that are there that you alone can meet. And so, Father, we pray for special blessing. We pray for the hands and feet of each of the people that are here, the voices and minds as well, that they would be used by you in powerful ways. And friends, if that's you that's serving this week, we just say, hey, Lord, I receive that. 
and uh, allow the Lord to use you in some special ways. We want to pray also for our Atlanta mission trip, and we know there's a, uh, an overlap of some that are doing both, and we pray, God, for safety. We pray for strength. God, we pray that that area of Atlanta would be saturated with gospel presence, that there would be gospel demonstration, that there would be gospel declaration, that there would be hearts that would be ready to receive from you. And so, God, what a joy we have to say we are sending out from among us those who would go, and we ask that they would be richly blessed, prepared, spiritually protected, that you would keep them in your care. And we pray this all in the strong name of Jesus and with great anticipation, all God's people said... Amen. All right, you all can have a seat. Uh, it's good for us to, to pray together. We are a praying church. You know, we believe that God works when we look to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to even tell you about another opportunity that you're going to have coming up later uh, as we get into the late summer and, and early fall. But it's good for us to be able to do that. I want to say thank you to the church. Uh, many of you were praying for me uh, this week. I had a really interesting uh, privilege, and that was to go and to speak to our stateside missionaries. So our missionaries that we send out all over the world, there's hundreds and hundreds of them, uh, they come back every four years to do a sort of stateside tour. And before they go and, and visit different churches and do different things like that, they're gathered together uh, in a special conference to encourage them and to build them up. And so I had the privilege of actually going over to our neighbors to the west uh, in Ohio uh, and meet with uh, this gathering of missionaries. And it was a really special time. And so I just want to say, first of all, thank you for praying for me. What a privilege that was. Uh, and I'm going to tell you a couple stories from that here today. I will also say thank you for praying because what a battle that was. You know, and I think that the Lord kind of opened up my eyes in ways that I didn't fully expect uh, to the level of difficulty that our brothers and sisters, I mean, they are on the front lines of spiritual battles all over the place. So we came together, and I really felt that, that spiritual battle. I reached out to a couple intercessors, uh, reached out, obviously, to Amy and our family, and just said, hey, you need to pray us through here because there's some battling. And this is how good God is. Uh, we went from that kind of that, that moment of battle and sort of fighting through and just feeling the heaviness and the oppression, the enemy coming against us, to mobilizing those missionaries to pray for themselves, for one another, and us praying together and knowing that you were praying as well. We saw incredible breakthrough. So I love when, when the battle is very real, but when we see that victory and that breakthrough, that's even better. And so we give glory to God for that. Uh, and then the last thing that I would just say coming off of that conference uh, though I am tired today, I'm certainly a little exhausted because some of that battling was more than I thought it was going to be, uh, but I'm eager to be with you and share these things and to say to you what a, what a mission we have. Uh, this was like uh, seeing these missionaries, many of whom I've never met before, they're in fields I've never been to before, but whether you realize this or not, the Christian Missionary Alliance, which is our denomination, is something like 10 times bigger overseas than it is stateside of the U.S., so there, are, there was like an entire branch or branches of our denominational family tree that I was able to engage with and meet and hear their stories and to see their steps of faith. It was really encouraging and caused me to come back to saying, man, what a great cause, what a great mission that we get to be a part of. We see a little slice of it here uh, in State College, but we are part of something much bigger. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Galatians 4. We're going to continue on in our series today, No Other Gospel. And I'll start this by saying that there is an identity, there is a destiny that God is pronouncing over his people. We are not slaves to sin. We are children in God's family. 
And, and I, I suspect that uh, the more that I've thought about this passage and the more that I've thought about even delivering this to you today, there is a bit of a wrestling that happens when you try to adopt that posture of a child of God. Uh, it makes sense, we say it, we sort of gloss over it. Yeah, I'm a child of God, child of the king, child, child heir of the promise, all those kind of things. But there's something that is actually challenging because for a lot of us, there's a certain humility that is required to adopt that kind of posture. I was thinking about this in the first service. We have some older folks that are there. We have some older folks here as well, but there, we have some younger as well. Uh, in, the older, in, the, in the first service, I was talking about the fact that like some of our folks have raised children uh, they've seen grandchildren, great-grandchildren come up. So now to adopt this identity to say, I'm a child of God, uh, it can feel a little bit out of our comfort zone. Uh, the other thing that it strikes against is like we got smart people, we got independent people, we want to sort of do for ourselves and to take on that posture of a child of God almost feels like demeaning or something like that. So I want to tell you today why this is a good thing why we have been adopted into God's family. This is huge. We are not slaves to fear, but we are recipients of his perfect love. And if we get this right, there is a lifting in your spirit, in your walk with the Lord, in the striving that can cease. This passage expounds the shift that is done by the grace of God to change the fundamental relationship between God and humanity. So the stakes are high. And I want to encourage you to lean in as we think about Galatians 4. Um, I'm going to reference the entire chapter, but basically we're going to sum it up with the first seven verses where Paul begins to unpack this concept. Uh, just re- as a quick review, in Galatians 3, that chapter ends with Paul saying, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. You are one in Christ, and you belong to Christ. And he says, you are the true children of Abraham, And that's a provocative statement, right? Because to the Jewish people who were the, out of the line of Abraham, these were the chosen people of God, uh, Paul is now writing to Gentile believers and saying, there's no Jew, no Gentile, that you are true children of Abraham. You've been grafted in. And for the majority of us that are here that don't have Jewish ancestry, that speaks to us to say we are actually heirs of the same promise so that's an important thing here's how uh, Galatians 4 begins I'm actually reading today from the New Living Translation I don't usually use this translation but I actually felt that this was helpful for us not having to uh, dance around some explanation uh, of some verbiage in the beginning so Galatians 4 uh, 1 to 7 if you'd read along with me it says think of it this way if a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up Even though they actually own everything their father had, they have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was, past tense, with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of of this world. I'm just going to pause there for just a second to say there is so much content here. There are so many things. Every word feels so sort of pregnant with meaning that I want to encourage you just to lean into that, uh, that, that these words that are being said. Before Christ, you were slaves to the basic patterns of this world. 
This is a part of the gospel. If we don't understand this and we don't understand the need that we have, then we can easily gloss through the gospel and go through our church experience and our, and our supposed relationship with Jesus experience. But Jesus is always going to be peripheral. He's never going to be the central thing until you understand the depth of your need. And so here's Paul understanding that though he was a very religious and devout person, he was very passionate about the wrong things before Christ, when he met Christ, all of this comes into focus to the point that he says, you know, before Christ, I was enslaved to the basic patterns of this world. That is not an identity that anybody aspires to or wants. But when we understand it, the next news becomes very good. Verse 4, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, listen to this, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God made you his heir. Again, so much meaning in this. The, the, the reality of no longer slaves, but into the family of God and dwelt with the Holy Spirit. If we're an heir of God, what are we, what are we receiving? What, are, what, what is the, you know, if he's the benefactor and we're the beneficiaries, what are we actually getting? The Spirit of God indwelling you. And now you're not just a child of God, but you are an heir or a co-heir with Christ. So here's kind of the basic bottom line for this whole chapter. It could be summed up this way, put up on the slide here for you. That you are not a slave. You are not a servant. You are not a stranger. You are a child of God entrusted with full family benefits. I don't know, you don't have like a, you're not like a card carrying. Yeah, you can say amen to that. Bob wants to clap that. You got full benefits here. If you are in Christ, that's for you. Okay, now this is huge. Again, it's so meaningful. That means like when I go through my day, when I go through my week, when I go through my ministry, family, all this kind of stuff, if I don't understand this identity and I'm living as a stranger, as I'm living as a slave, I'm living as a servant, God's saying, no, I'm calling you to be a child. I'm calling you into the family. This is something deeply, deeply relational. This main theme runs through the entire chapter. Paul unpacks it a couple different ways. We're just going to stick with, with this phrase here. What does this mean for us today? And I want to suggest a couple things. You could probably come up with a whole list. In fact, I'm going to encourage you to come up with a list. What does this mean for you, that you are a child of God? I'll give you three today to kind of get the list started, but I want to encourage you to add to it because I don't think you'll come to the end of it. I think you could spend the rest of your earthly life plumbing the depths of like, what does this actually mean for me to be in the family of God, not a stranger, not a slave, not a servant, but actually a child of God and a co-heir in Christ? What does that actually mean? I would defy you to come to the end of that list, but let's start at least with a couple things here today. It means a radical change in our access, in our action, and ultimately our acceptance, and this will change and lift the weight from the striving that some of you are feeling perhaps even now. Number one is change in our level of access. Uh, you will approach God differently, and you will approach your world differently, 
when you understand this identity as a child. Of course, when we talk about prayer and worship, some of us, you know, we came in today, we sang some beautiful songs, it's wonderful, we're praying, we're seeking the Lord today, that's available to us. We're coming toward the Lord, we're leaning in. We were even praying before the service that there would be a leaning in of people bringing their hearts, their troubles, their challenges, their mess-ups, everything. We bring that to the Lord. Why? Because we can. You have an access to the Father that you never would have had apart from Christ. So that if you call up your local business, especially you pick a big corporation and just call them up and say, hey, I want to talk to the head of your company. I want to talk to them. They're going to say, who are you? You know what I mean? Like, one, you need an appointment and you're probably not going to get that. You know what I'm saying? When you have access to the almighty God of the universe through prayer, through worship, we actually came in today. Some of you didn't even realize this. You came into the presence of God. You began to sing and lift up his name. You began to engage with him in that way. Why? Because you have access. This has changed the level of access. Now imagine this, that the the head of that company that you're trying to get an appointment with and can't, if he gets a call from his son or his daughter and is a decent kind of parent at all, he's going to say, put him right through. Your identity as a child changes the access that you have for God. Now, many of you remember that several months ago as we were going through our study uh, several weeks ago on the book of Leviticus, we asked this question, how does an omnipotent God actually engage with a broken, frail humanity? And the problem is actually one of proximity and power. We gave this example that like the sun is the source of life for the entire system, but to be in the direct presence of the sun will obliterate the living thing or the person. To stare at the sun is to go blind. To to be exposed to the sun is to be burned. Contact with the sun is impossible without burning up. And that simple illustration sort of illustrates like, well then, how do we actually come into the presence of God? Now, most of us are not used to even really thinking about it, but this theological grid that we've worked through actually gives us some insight now into Paul not simply saying that you have access to his presence, you actually can talk to him, you actually can receive from him, you actually can worship and lift up the name of Jesus. All of that stuff is there, but he even takes it farther and he says, you're a child of the king. You, like, you have the privileges of coming in. Now the Hebrew author says this, the author of Hebrews, he says, therefore we have this great high priest who has access into heaven, access, ascended, Jesus the Son of God, so let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us in our weakness. We have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. I think this passage has been perhaps the most meaningful to me in my Christian walk over the last three to five years. Because here's what it says. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, not with fear, not with trembling, not with bargaining, not with, you know what I mean? Just come in with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What this is talking about is no less than the right relationship that your heart has longed for some of you understand that some of you are beginning to understand that some of you have no idea what i'm talking about but here is the illustration that paul is saying you're a child of god and you have access 
So not only access to approach God differently, but it causes you to approach your world differently because if we are actually conduits of the Spirit of God and we have access to His presence and we have the benefits of being heirs with Him and being in His family, then what does that mean for us in our mission? This is the fullness fulfillment principle. We have a fullness when we tap into the presence of God and then we walk out that fullness in the fulfillment of the mission. So a couple of weeks ago, my staff came to me and they said, Aaron, uh, we think it's time for this church to get a little more serious about praying for this community, and we want to challenge the church family uh, to pray over every street in State College, over every house in State College, uh, but we think we're going to need some help. I love that. I love that. So we've been kind of dreaming. We've been talking about we're going to start bringing a plan to you guys here in this coming month about how you can participate and be in that. Now, why would we do that? Well, we believe that prayer changes the atmosphere, that this is the link that God has into this broken world. And so now as conduits in the fullness of his spirit to say, you know, we're going to bless every home. We're going to see what God wants to do. We're going to see the doors that he wants to open. We're going to wait with expectation. So we have a changed level of access. How many of you would participate at least on your own street on something like that? Raise your hands up nice and high. Be proud. All right, good. I'm going to hold you to it. We're going to, we're, going to, we're going to be talking about it. See, Seth, we already got people recruited. It's good. It's all good. Okay, uh, second thing that it changes, not just our level of access, but the changes our reason for action. Uh, so I'm speaking to these missionaries this last week, and I said, can I talk to you guys about being movement people versus monument builders? We've talked about that here before. And I thought to myself, you know, missionaries, the first thing that they do is move, right? You know, so they're going to get this. And they totally did. They said, yeah, movement people. That's, we want to be movement people. However, every one of them that I talked to said, we struggle with this monument mentality in us. And we struggle with, you know, it's like we have this idea of this is sort of how I think it should be. And then I, my old nature wants to sort of fight to hang on to not changing, and so that, and that's the antithesis of movement. So I've got a, a list here. This we, we've done some teaching on this before. Let me just refresh your memory here up on the screen. So when we talk about what does it mean to be movement people? Movement people are stirring things up. They're empowering others. There's a flexibility led by principles. They crush the boxes. They're expectant of their future. They're experiencing a freedom. This is now, and again, all of these are the sort of things that when I talk to people who are serious about Jesus, to a person, they say, that's the kind of person I want to be. And yet, to a person, we all have this struggle with monument thinking. We got to nail it down. We got to, you know, monument thinking controls people, it becomes rigid, it's led by laws. This was the Pharisaical experience that didn't know what to do with the freedom or the life of Christ. It creates boxes, it's bound by the past, it's very fear oriented. So every time you've been in a church setting when somebody says, well, we probably shouldn't do that new thing because, and then they'll bring a fear. Like the next thing that will always come is fear. You know, uh, that's, you know what I mean? Well, this is going to be a fearful thing. Here's the thing that's really fascinating. So I'm talking to these missionaries about this. And, um, and, I, and I shared with them this illustration that I heard from somebody here at this church. I don't remember who it was. But when we were talking about this years ago, somebody brought this illustration to me. They said, you know, it really comes down to life and control. You know, do you want control or do you want the life of Christ? Um, And if you illustrate it, you could illustrate it this way. You wander down to the nursery, uh, you're going to see life. You know, there's all kinds of life. But it's messy. 
and it's loud and it's a little bit unpredictable and it's a little it can be a little bit crazy so that well I get a little bit fearful and if you find yourself saying no I really want the order I really want to make sure that kind of my world is ordered to control that sort of monument thinking it's easy to find that in a cemetery nobody gets out of line you know what I mean it's all lined up so it's like, I have the order but it doesn't have the life right and so this idea of movement thinking versus monument thinking as children of God we have the joy of saying I'm going to follow where my good heavenly father leads me that is a very different mentality than saying I'm going to control what my good heavenly father has given me we naturally become a little less flexible with age that's true and I've used this example before babies have this weird ability to like chew on their own feet you know I'd love to see some of you try that I couldn't do that if I let my life depended on it and my legs got too long and I just don't bend in the way you know, babies just do it without even really thinking about it so I was, anyway I was thinking about this and I shared this illustration with uh with this missionary group and we talked about nursery and graveyard and they're, they're kind of re- resonating with that and everything and then the Lord kind of gave me like a living example within the next like 12 hours I'm driving on this direction to get to this place and I passed this huge cemetery and I was like there it is and guess you know what it was in perfect order nobody was making a mess then I get to the church it was a large church where we we're doing this conference I get to the church and uh, one of the kids workers this delightful woman she's standing outside uh, the men's bathroom and says I just sent like a half a dozen like a dozen uh, little boys in there do you mind going in there and just making sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing I was like I, I would be happy to so I, I walk into the nursery experience but it's in the men's room and I was like but gentlemen how are we all doing here it's like we're not gentlemen we're kids I'm like well you're, okay so we're, we're talking with them and I look at this one kid and he's just like pointing like this like, I'm like you're a firstborn I can tell but he's like Mm-mm-mm. and he's pointing at another kid and I look at the kid that he's pointing at I don't want to be overly indelicate here but like the little child has fished out like the splash guard thing from the urinal the guys know what I'm talking about if you've been in a men's room lately. And he's holding it like it's like a little Frisbee. He's like getting ready to throw it. And I was like, ugh. So in that moment, I realized I have experienced the order and I have experienced the life all at the same time, you know, within a few hours of talking about it with these people. Um, but our reason for action changes. Uh, and now, now here's, the, here's the serious call. Uh, and I find this to be really fascinating as I think it through. Um, when we last talked about movement people versus monument builders here at this church, it was right before COVID. And you talk about something outside of your control or many somethings outside of your control that forces a level of flexibility that probably for all of us caused us to wrestle with our monument building nature to say this is how we nail it down this is how we do it this is how we do church this is how whatever and all of that stuff got tested stretched tried sometimes blown out of the water now the good news is as a child of God you and I are actually not called to be monument builders who say whatever happens we just (laughs) we're not going to change we're actually called to listen to the voice of the Spirit that indwells us according to this because we're co-heirs with Christ and we're in His family to listen to the voice of the Spirit to say, where are we going next? 
And the, here's the joy of, being, of saying, I'm going to be a movement person. Even if this is hard for me, even if this stretches me, I'm going to be a movement person because essentially what I'm saying is, I'm the child, he's the father, I trust him, I'm going to take him by the hand and see where he leads me to go. That notion of being expectant and having freedom that comes from that, just, you just feel this lift come off. Why? Because he's in charge. He's my heavenly father. He's got a good plan. And I don't have to micromanage it. Some of us are micromanaging our life. You're micromanaging the life out of life. Because it's hard to adopt the role of a child and trust your Heavenly Father. But I hope that challenges you a little bit. I want to be movement thinking. When I think about expectation, we say, well, what's God going to do in the coming week? We're setting out. We're going we're gonna to be putting our hands to some things. We're going to be doing stuff. We're going to be trusting that what's he going to do? We don't fully know. But that's the expectation. That's the freedom that comes to say he's going to do what he wants to do. And guess what? We get to be a part of it. Awesome. Let's be movement thinking. So it changes our reason for action. God sent him to buy freedom. Galatians 4, for us who were slaves to the law so that he would adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God sent the Spirit of his son into our hearts prompting us to call out Abba Father I'm going to give you one last example and then you can add to your list more if you like Uh, being a child of God changes our standard for acceptance this means that we strive differently we still make effort we still do things but we strive for different reasons changes our standard for acceptance uh, and think about this, this it'll bring it to light for you scriptural example Luke 15 prodigal son squanders his father's inheritance he goes out he has this aha moment he says what am I doing living out here with the pigs I'm going to go home to my father and he makes a plan he goes to his father and he says make me like one of your do you remember servants he goes I'm going to I'm going to earn my way back into your good grace I'm going to strive for it And the father says, no, you're my son. You're trying to adopt a posture that isn't yours. And this is what Paul was saying to the Galatians. You're trying to finish in the flesh what God began in the spirit. You're trying to earn your way back. You're striving, but for the wrong reasons. Thursday of this week, I got a text from my son, Grant, who said, I am a licensed driver. (laughs) Woo-hoo! Passed his driver's test. Yeah, we've been working on that, and I was sad that I couldn't be right here when he was testing, but I was like, ah, I know you'll do fine. Get out there and, you know, mix it up. Don't kill anybody and, you know, pass the test. And, uh, and he did. I was proud of him. That was great. And, in fact, that sparked another thing that just another quick side story I'm going to tell you that when I went to this uh, event, um, I rented a car because we drive old cars in our house and when I get to I have to be get somewhere reliable I'm like I probably should rent a car to do this so I got a car rental I just said give me the bottom of the barrel car rental whatever the cheapest thing is little tiny car it's just me and a couple bags so let's just go so I go to pick up the car and they said sir we're sorry to tell you but your little bottom of the barrel rental we're all out of those cars so we're just going to give you a free upgrade to one of these other cars would you like this one or this one or this one or this one and I said I don't really care so I said to the kid behind the counter I said uh, what car would you pick and he goes, dude, dude, get the Camaro. <laughs> so I drove home in, the, in this car. My wife sees me. Yeah. So, so my wife is like, what, what are you doing? Like, what is this? I was like, this is, my, this is my car rental. I said, they were out of the cheap car, so they just gave me the whatever, the upgrade. 
Grant then says to me, he said, Dad, wouldn't this be funny? Get my picture with this because this would be so funny if I, t- if I pass my driver's test this week. He's like, we should totally like get a picture of me in this and be like, oh yeah, my dad got me this car because I passed or whatever. <laughs> Which is even funnier because everyone in our family knows that we drive older cars and stuff like that. So here's, here's why I tell you those, those little kind of funny stories, uh, little fun Camaros. Uh, incidentally, uh, I, I got to drive some missionary kids around uh, in that little rocket ship car or whatever. I would never own that car, but it was fun to drive for a week. Um, so the, here, here's the point that I'm getting to with that kind of convoluted story. Um, healthy parent-child relationships. Uh, not all of us have had those, right? So, so you, you maybe haven't had that. Um, and so I'm gonna be sensitive when I say this. But in a healthy situation, I think most of us know that the love of the parent is already there before the child does something to make you proud. Um, And it's already there before the child does something to disappoint you or drive you crazy. You know, the the love of the parent actually precedes those things. So I was thinking about this in my son saying, hey, I passed my test, and I'm saying, oh, great, I'm proud of you. But the fact of the matter was, uh, I was proud of him and I loved him before he ever achieved that. And if he hadn't achieved that, I would still be proud of him and still love him. You know what I'm saying? Like, so there's this, this idea of like the constant love of God that is there for you. Listen, because of the finished work of Christ. So when, if we get this, it starts to crystallize as we go through this book of Galatians. And it's just so beautiful because we realize that the approval of God over Christ. Remember when he got baptized? He comes out of the water and the voice says, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. That pleasure of God, that approval of God, that love of lavish love of God that was poured over Christ is actually what is imputed to you when you say yes to Jesus. So God looks at you, he sees the love that he has for the Son, and he like superimposes that over you, which is why you can't actually earn the love of God and you can't actually mess up the love of God. Because he's actually looking at you with the love that he has for his son to equal measure that he looks at his son hanging on the cross with your sin on his shoulders. That is the great exchange of the gospel. That is the joy of a healthy parent, the cosmic parent relationship of Paul saying, you're a child of the king. And he loves you better than any earthly parent ever could. And this is why Galatians, you got to stop striving to finish in the flesh what Christ has begun in the Spirit. Learn a better identity. You're a child. You're an heir. You're a habitation of the Holy Spirit. That's where we're going to go next week. Uh, Worship team's going to come on up. I'm going to encourage you to add to this list. What does it mean to be a child of God? Some of you have maybe never came to, come to that place. Maybe you're trying to figure out what that means. What that means is essentially Galatians actually gives us the playbook to say we come into faith by believing in the finished work of Jesus. We receive what he has already done for us. We're not striving on our own. We say I'm receiving what he has done. That is available to anybody today. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a mess. Most of us know that, you know? I'm not right before you. I don't have a right standing before you. My hope is in Jesus who lived the perfect life, died the ultimate death, paid the ultimate sacrifice, and then says, this is my gift to you. I want to receive that today. So that can be you. 
There's others that are walking with Christ today, but you're saying, you know, I don't really think of myself as a child. I hope today your heart is lifted and your weight is lifted just a little bit to realize you are a child of the living God. I can tell when I'm operating out of a wrong identity. There's nothing worse than ungrateful kids, right? You know, I, I get ungrateful. I get, uh, I get, I get uh, anxious. Uh, I get monument building. I get all of that kind of stuff. And so this identity, it sort of calls me back to all these places. So here's what I'm gonna do. I just wanna pray for you as the worship team is gonna lead us out. I want you to stand uh, with me. I just wanna pray a simple prayer of blessing over you. Jesus, we sang earlier uh, today. Thank you, my Father, for giving us your Son, for leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. And God, it just seems like you, you take us just another step deeper, another step deeper, another step deeper. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to run in and jump on the couch. I want you to sit with your Heavenly Father. I want you to actually know Him in that way. Like the life of Christ, a real thing. So Jesus, I just want to bless my brothers and sisters today. I pray that there would be a, an awakening. I pray that there would, you would increase our hunger for more of you. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would be the kind of people that say, I want, I want the life of Christ. Paul actually wrote crazy things like this. He would say, I want to know Christ. And even sharing in his suffering. I would also be able to share in his resurrection. This is like a deep heart intimacy with him. It's not a business relationship. This is not a casual relationship. This is an intimacy to be fully known and fully loved. And that's actually what good parents do well. I see you in all your mess. I see you with all your screw-ups or whatever. I love you, and I loved you before you messed up. I loved you before you made me proud. So God, I pray that you would anchor us in that space today. Help us to be able to say, this week, Lord, some of us are going to be in a place, we're going to start micromanaging something, and I pray the Holy Spirit would get our attention and just say, wait, wait, hold on a second, you're a child of the King. You're a child of God. Some of us are going to feel anxious about something. We're going to feel like we got to control it. Hold on a second. You're a child of God. I pray, Lord, that you would be quick to draw us back to that right identity in you. And we are grateful. And we are expectant. And we are trusting you. We are taking the hand of our Heavenly Father and say, lead us forward. We trust you. We love you. We believe you're going to take us to good places. And there's a lift. There's a freedom. That's the identity that we're offered in Christ. Receive that today in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen.